0: listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen welcome back I am Dustin Gold you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard and this is TV slash gold this episode is called Burst Your Bubbles now folks I'm not breaking your balls here I'm just trying to show you. These are just things I learned throughout the years, really stuff we don't focus on in the public indoctrination center. Otherwise, they teach you but they teach you with a spin on it and then you don't really understand the effects it has on the country. They tell you that it brings more freedom then you end up in the system you're in and you're trying to sit here and wonder why we are in the system that we're in and it's all explained. You can figure it all out, folks. I mean, here, let's look at another major change in the history of our country and this is going to actually play in later to what we're researching on the history of technocracy so i figured i put this in here now there's hundreds of these thousands of these examples of major changes throughout the history of our country that changed our system Uh, from what we were founded on into what it is today. And this is why you are actually a refugee living within what I call the world's truck stop bathroom. Yeah, you're the world's truck stop bathroom, all right? People are allowed to just walk in, uh, take a leak, uh, Spill their urine all over the seat Not even wipe it and clean it up I don't know, take a dump on the bathroom floor Nobody cares Walk over, wash your hands, spit a loogie on the mirror Rip the sink off the wall And throw it across the bathroom And then walk out into the uh, truck stop Grab yourself a bag of Cheetos Don't even pay for them Walk right out the front door Give the finger to the cashier walk over, tap off the rest of the gas into your car, and drive off without paying. Why? Because we're the world's truck stop bathroom. That's what we've become. We are quickly coming a uh, becoming a giant Amazon trading hub. That's pretty much all we are at this point, folks. What's American culture at this point? I don't know. For a while it was baseball, hot dogs, and beer. But that kind of uh, took a turn for the worse during covid Lay on the high school theater production. Yeah, some people are back at games, but you don't really see it as the culture anymore. We really don't have a culture when I grew up uh, I remember and I'm 41 I grew up in and around New Haven Connecticut my dad was a cop so he hung out with the Irish cops and the Polish cops and the Italian cops and the German cops and I remember as a kid going to huge st. Patrick's Day parades with my dad to celebrate his Irish cop buddies and we would go to the Columbus Day parade to celebrate his Italian cop buddies and he would go shoot darts at the Polish club and we'd have hang out with his Polish cop buddies. we go over to the German club and hang out with them and shoot darts. So what we did is we celebrated each other's heritage under the banner of the American flag. And that was kind of part of our culture. It was part of our culture. And so we don't really have much of that anymore. Now, let's go back to 1913. I showed you that we changed the rules on how we selected senators in 1913. 13. Now, here's an interesting one. We used to talk about this on the Republican side of the aisle. Nobody talks about this anymore. This is the Senate passes the Federal Reserve Act. And this is December 23, 1913. This is at senate.gov. This is the official story right here, folks. And it says, it says here. Hold on one second. I'm just taking a note down, folks. It says, it took many months and nearly straight party line voting. But on December 23rd, 1913, ah, it's interesting, the day before Christmas Eve, while no one was paying attention, the Senate passed and President Woodrow Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act. The need for a central bank became painfully evident during the financial panic of 1907 when the stock market collapsed banks failed and credit evaporated well let's take a minute here woodrow wilson one of the great presidents folks i'm kidding he's going to come up because uh he's tied into some of our folks coming out of the progressive movement involved with technocracy and eugenics so woodrow wilson will be getting into soon but see what led to the passage of the federal Reserve. What was it, folks? The financial panic of 1907. Now, a lot of the technocrats grew out of the panic of 1893. We're going to get into that with Edward Bellamy, and then Bellamy inspiring Thorsten Veblen, and Thorsten Veblen inspiring folks like Howard Scott. And then, obviously, technocracy and the New Deal grew right out of the Great Depression. So, out of 1907, the financial panic it says when the stock market collapsed banks failed and credit evaporated well that set the stage for the central bank now the central bank was defeated a couple times in our history in this country before this occurred but the federal reserve since 1913 has stayed in place folks it's cemented in to history completely changed our country, so we are not the same country that we were founded on. But as you can see today, what do we have going on, folks? We have a financial crisis, and what are these guys trying to roll in? Universal basic income and central bank digital currency. So don't think for a second that the financial panic of 1907 was not an orchestrated problem, just like the financial crisis of today. Is an orchestrated problem. Another thing that I found interesting, I'll just say this as I was researching history. You had the Spanish flu, uh, World War two and really you had world war one then the spanish flu then the great depression then world war ii all packed in pretty close together today you have the financial crisis covid land the high school theater production ukraine russia war you see how they're packing all these things in together it's like they come in trifectas folks goes on to say because the federal government lacked the tools to respond it had to depend on private bankers such as jp morgan to provide an infusion of capital to sustain the banking system, to correct the problem of and quote, Inelastic currency, end quote, Congress created a National Monetary Commission chaired by Rhode Island Republican Senator Nelson Aldrich. Aldrich proposed a system that would be run by private bankers who would act as federal agents. Progressives admittedly opposed, uh, adamantly opposed what they called a surrender to the quote, money trust, end quote, and blocked its passage. Now, you'll see the progressives. Actually, ended up joining in with this effort as well, folks. The bankers sit behind also the socialists, the communists, the progressives, the Marxists, and eventually the fascists. They also sit behind the so called conservative so you'll see the theme as we move forward from history to future that the bankers are always behind everyone now this is eerily similar to the scheme going on that i talked about yesterday in sri lanka the orchestrated economic collapse of sri lanka what happens well the wef and the bankers are all sitting on the sidelines going hey we have a new system it's called circular monetary system a circular economy well folks That was written up over 100 years ago, as we showed you, in Technocracy. It's not new. They've just been working on it, refining it, and are ready to deploy it. See, it's a problem, reaction, solution, loop. All right, it says... In 1912, Democrats won the White House and majorities in both houses of Congress. Even before his inauguration, President-elect Woodrow Wilson began encouraging congressional leaders to enact banking and currency reform. In March 1913, the Democratic Senate created its first Banking and Currency Committee, chaired by Oklahoma Senator Robert D. Owen. The Housing Banking Committee was chaired by Virginia Representative and Future Senator Carter Glass. Now, what's interesting is the actual lead-up to this, what took place on Jekyll Island, involved a guy who Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast, is currently uh, researching. His name was Vanderlip. And Vanderlip was also a big friend of Howard Scott and was helping to promote technocracy. So this banker, Vanderlip, was sitting there on the committee setting up the Federal Reserve, and he was also involved with the technocrats who grew out of the socialist, communist, Marxist, uh, and fascist. Uh, and, And Vanderlip was also a friend with Rexford Tugwell, that I talked to you about. Rexford Tugwell was a big fan of the Soviet Union and Benito Mussolini. So, folks, as you can see, it's just one giant web of craziness and we're going to be slowly dissecting this over the next couple of dozen episodes it goes on to say in june president wilson formally proposed creation of a government-run federal reserve system the house took up the issue first and passed a bill in september after which the senate banking committee began holding hearings so you see what's going on here i'm going to finish this it's this important stuff uh but you see what's happening here folks you see how the country that we were founded on is not the country that we live in today, so you have to stop fooling yourselves all right the the truth is out there all this stuff is available they don't hide it they're transparent about this it's all there. so the illusion that you live in is actually an illusion you're creating in your own mind. We hang up the American flag and we wave it i don't know what it represents anymore. I know some of us have had relatives who have gone off to war. Maybe they were injured, maybe they were died, maybe they were heroes that came home, but buddies as theirs were, were injured or killed. But what were they fighting for? I mean, if I start dismantling World War II for you, I already showed you that as soon as it ended, our country brought Nazi scientists and engineers back here to run government departments and projects. I mean, so at the end of the day, what made us better than what the Nazis were doing? We run MKUltra, which is still alive and well today, breaking people's minds with LSD, killing people. I mean, murdering people in mind-control torture experiments. What makes us different than them? So when we're hanging the flag... I don't know what it represents. I really don't. I'm someone who used to have a big American flag, but it got to the point where I just don't know what it represents. It's obviously not the country that I live in, and the country that it represents is long gone. So that would be the equivalent of me hanging up a flag on my porch for the Roman Empire and pretending that I live under the Roman Empire or hanging a flag of, you know, the Confederacy. Like people still hang the Confederacy do flag. I don't, I don't live under the Confederacy, so I don't know why I'm hanging the flag of the Confederacy. And because there is no more United States of America, at least what we believe it is, I don't understand why I'd be hanging a flag. I'm hanging a flag of the land of unicorns, rainbows, and cotton candy. It just doesn't exist. So, who am I fooling by hanging the flag? I'm fooling myself. I'm not going to sit here and live in fictitious land. I need to understand what it is that I'm actually living under because I sure as hell don't agree with it, and now I have to figure out how to thrive in it, not just survive in it, or... If it's realistic to be able to escape it, to be able to figure out how to get enough cash together before they take everything from us so that I can get the hell out of here and get to somewhere else that's safe. Probably a piece of land here. As I told you, I'm going to have probably something set up in Poland and something set up over here. I'd like to have our baby grow up back and forth between those two cultures. But... I'm not going to live here in fictitious land and pretend that I'm in something that I'm not, folks. And at the end of the day, we we are not fighting to get anything back because look at all the stuff we talked about with voting rights. Are you going to run out there and start telling your wife she can't vote? Start telling your black neighbor that they can't vote? Start telling immigrants that are in your neighborhoods or your town that they can't vote? Are you going to start telling Native Americans at their reservations that they can't vote? Can't vote? No, I don't think you're about to do that. So instead of living in fictitious land, start to say for a second, well, I can see where all the problems came from. This isn't the country that I live in. It's not the one that I thought I lived in. And I'm going to make plans to basically get somewhere where I can isolate myself from this system because there is no such thing as restoring America. America has changed hands so many times in the last 250 years. It's not the America that we thought It was, ladies and gentlemen. You know what it is at this point? America is the 10-year-old boy whose crazy parents bring to the Boston Children's Hospital, give him hormones, and have his genitals removed. That's what America is. It's not the same thing anymore. It's not little Billy. It's now Sheila. That is the point. You don't live in the America of George Washington. All right, when I get back, let me finish this up on the Federal Reserve System, because then I need to show you the next part, the next thing, the biggest thing that happened in the history of our country that changed who we are. And no, it's not the New Deal. It's not technocracy. I'm going to show you the system that we put into place, something that you interact with once a year that was not part of the founding of this country. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard, right here on pain.tv. slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain TV. Join the discussion at Pain slash Gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, folks. All right. Has Dan Bongino or Mark Levin told you this, folks? Have they told you this? I mean, yes, you've heard the mention. Federal Reserve and stuff, but have they told you... That it completely changed our country. We're not in the same country. I don't think so. And I spent many years listening to those guys. All right, let's continue here at Senate.gov. It says by December, the Senate was debating and voting on its version of the bill. When all of the Senate Republicans voted for a substitute measure, Senate Democrats opted to make the banking and currency bill a, quote, party question, end quote. At the time, the Democrat conference had a, quote, binding caucus, end quote, rule by which whenever two of the conference voted in favor of a bill, all of its members agreed to support it and not to offer amendments on the floor. The Senate therefore passed the Federal Reserve Act by an almost party-line vote. The bill then went to a conference committee which forged the necessary compromises and reported it back on December 22nd when it was accepted by the House. On December 23rd, 1913, the Senate adopted the conference report by a vote of 43 to 25 with every Democrat present voting for the measure and all but four Republicans voting against it. 27 senators were paired or chose not to vote many senators immediately rushed to the union station to catch trains home for the holidays while the chief sponsors went to the white house president wilson signed the glass owens act at 6 p.m. he used four pens then gave one to each of the leading sponsors wilson commented that he was not accustomed to using a series of pens why is that folks Because the pen is mightier than the sword. That's not in the article I just said that, folks. The pen is mightier than the sword. As Howard Scott has said before, they did not need you, the person, the average Joe out there, to cast one ballot. Nor would he need anyone to fire one shot to drive technocracy into action. Here in the United States, folks, they could do it through the scientists, engineers, and the bureaucrats, right? So nobody voted for technocracy. They just voted to put the Federal Reserve into place, which we'll find out later was tied into technocracy. It goes on to say, the Democratic whip, Senator J. Hamilton Lewis of Illinois, responded, quote, the bill itself was made in installments, Mr. President, end quote. Yes, said Wilson, and very slowly. The Oval Office filled with cheers for what became the most lasting legislative accomplishment of the Wilson administration, folks. So there you go. Federal Reserve was put into play in 1913. It's been here ever since, folks. That's, what, 109 years. So the Federal Reserve System was not in practice in the United States until 1913. Major change in the history of our country so we are not the country that we were founded as so i think by the time this episode is done hopefully if you don't understand this you will now stop thinking that we are living in a country of 250 years ago that's not the case folks i say it all the time we were what a dozen colonies two and a half million people, 500,000 had the right to vote. Now we are 3,000 miles wide, 50 states, dozens of territories, almost 1,000 military bases worldwide. We are not the same country. So saving America, saving the Republic, I don't even know what that means, folks. We violated the Constitution, if you wanna believe in the Constitution. We violated the Constitution so many times in the course of the history of this nation. We are not the same country any longer. All right. Here's a big one, folks. One of the most important ones we're going to talk about tonight. No, the most important, I would say. And we're going to pull this right up here because they love to actually brag about it. This is on IRS.gov, your favorite agency. They come to you April 15th every year at gunpoint and they threaten you. And if you don't give them your financials uh, as accurate as possible, you must dot all your I's and cross all your T's and then hand them a check. They will come to you at gunpoint and they will take your home, they will take your vehicles, they will take your bank account, they will take your investments, they will take everything away from you folks. They will start taking uh, your check if you work for an employer and they will just take that all away from you. So I really want to look at the history of this because they provide a lot of details, a timeline here. And this will just show you, I mean, they did a great job. I'm going to create one of these with a lot of different problems, reactions, and solutions in this country. But they did this for us on taxes right here at IRS.gov it says uh, 1765 to 1776 taxes and revolution taxation without representation was the seed of the American revolution colonists rebelled against Britain's punitive taxes because they had no voice in parliament on July 4th 1776 the declaration of independence severed ties with England the revolutionary war ended in 1783 and a new nation was born it's funny because when i was a kid uh, in school i would always question my history teachers and say well if we fought to have our freedom from paying the tea tax why do we have the irs now teachers didn't like that they couldn't answer that question folks It says here, 1787 to 1789, evolution of taxation. On February 21st, 1787, Congress approved a constitutional convention. To revise the Articles of Confederation. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excesses to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. On September 2nd, 1789, Congress established the Department of the Treasury and appointed Alexander Hamilton as the first secretary. Yep, he wanted a Federal Reserve, folks. So, There you go, right there, 1787, Congress approves a Constitutional Convention to revise the Articles of Confederation. And in there, they give themselves the ability to... Uh, lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excesses to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. They did not tax income back then, folks. They generally made the money to fund the federal government through import and export tariffs, okay? Just so you know, that's the history of the country that used to be the country that you believe you still live in but you don't. You don't. It's not the same country. All right, it says 1794, the Whiskey Rebellion. 1794 saw the first outright challenge to the U.S. government's revenue laws when a federal court summoned 75 distilleries in western pennsylvania to appear in court and explain why they shouldn't be arrested for whiskey tax evasion the whiskey rebellion set up a clash between citizens and federal officers the federal government prevailed but at a cost of 1.5 million dollars to american taxpayers so see that is 1794 first outright challenge to u.s government's revenue laws when a federal court summoned 75 distillers in western Pennsylvania to appear in court and explain why they shouldn't be arrested for whiskey tax evasion. All right, let's take a look. The War of 1812, this is 1812 to 1817. To pay for the War of 1812, Congress passed new internal taxes on refined sugar, carriages, distillers, and auction sales, and reinstated the commissioner of the revenue to collect them. On August 24th, 1814, the British burned the Treasury building in Washington, D.C. On December 23rd, 1817, Congress repealed these and all remaining internal taxes and abolished the position of the Commissioner of Revenue and all offices to collect them. Now, that was back in the day when we actually closed government departments. Now, oh my God, if you open one, that thing is never Going to close, folks. But there you go, 1812. They said, hey, we can start collecting taxes on sugar, carriages, distillers, and auction sales, right? How do they pick those, folks? How do they pick those? They just randomly pull those out of a hat and start taxing people. And you know what a tax is? That is Tony Soprano and his gang, Silvio and Bobby Bacala and Christopher. And Paulie going out there and basically telling people that own a little general store, we're going to burn your store down unless you start giving us 10% of your action. That's what it is. That's what the government is. Licensed criminals. People that come and extort you. All right, 1836 to 1842, the treasury gets a new home. Construction began on a new treasury building in 1836. The first segment opened in 1842. So there they go, building their treasury. 1862 civil war expenses on july 1st 1862 president lincoln signed the second revenue measure of the civil war into law this law levied internal taxes and established a permanent internal tax system congress established the office of the commissioner of internal revenue under the department of the treasury on july 17, 1862 george s boutwell became its first commissioner. So there you go. Under the great Abraham Lincoln, and many would argue that the United States, if you want to believe it was a constitutional republic, died during the Civil War, folks. And so you have Lincoln here setting up the internal revenue under the Department of Treasury in 1862. All right, let's fast forward. We have 1863 to 1864 property seizures, and tax refunds. In its first year, 1863, the Office of the Commissioner of Internal Revenue collected $39.1 million. That's how much they stole from people at gunpoint. The Revenue Act of June 30th, 1864, authorized the Commissioner of Internal Revenue to compromise all suits, quote, relating to internal revenue, end quote, to abate outstanding assessments and to refund taxes subject to current Regulations. That was the Revenue Act of June 30th, 1864. But as you can see, we're at IRS.gov, folks. They are proud of this. Now, if I work for the IRS, I would hang my head in shame. I'd probably just go to work and try to hang my let la- and just, just hang low, hide out in the shadows. I really wouldn't want anybody to know this. They put this up there. They're proud of this. This is how they set up their racketeering system. This is how they set up their blackmail arms. This is how they cut and they harass everyday hardworking American citizens and steal your money, then the money they steal from us isn't even enough to pay for all the garbage that our government buys, all the money they give to people like Elon Musk and Peter Thiel to build prison planet technology around us. No, that's debt that they put on our, not our kids, not our grandkids, not our great-great-grandkids, about 17 greats into the future owe money on the debt that our government has accrued buying garbage and they talk to us about being financially responsible. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, let's work our way all the way to 1913. That's where we're going, an important year. So we have 1913 when we changed how we vote for senators, 1913 Federal Reserve Act, and 1913, folks, we set up the income tax. Oh, what a wonderful year. Meanwhile, in 1913, the technocrats were working with the progressives And the eugenicists, working on some wonderful plans, all the great stuff that we live under today in this country that you believe is the country of George Washington, which is frankly hilarious. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. Seriously, I'm laughing. This is if I'm sitting down here in my studio by myself laughing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold